you've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week, we are talking about Critters 4, a, a movie that I picked. Another another part four equals things in space type movie. Hell yeah. Um, but I will always argue that Critters at least makes sense because their origins are from space. <laughs> are you trying to say that Hellraiser does not, ma- Hellraiser Bloodline does not make sense? Because I'm going to quit the show if you if you say that. That's basically what I'm saying. Sorry, we just offended Alan Smithy, so sorry. <laughs> I watched the Blu-ray that I have of this Fuck. because I got the Scream Factory Critters box set that had all four movies on a beautiful Blu-ray restoration, which also came with a making of movie that has a bunch of really great interviews. It's like a 20-minute making of Critters 4, and what I learned about this movie was that the Chiodos brothers are not very proud of it. <laughs> what a shock. Apparently the funding started to dry up real fast around this movie and they were like, they had all these visions for like what would happen with these critters 
when they're like exposed the stuff in this outer space lab or whatever. And then it was just like, we were able to make about two baby crates and that's about it. We, <laughs> we didn't really get to do anything we wanted to do with this one. You know, horror movie night uh, is, is giving me a lot of firsts. Uh, <laughs> I, this is my first critters movie. Wait, really? wait, first critters at all? At all. Wow. At all. Like I'm familiar. I like, I, I, I know what they look like. It's mostly um, uphill from here. So. Yeah. Well, that, I, and I, I, I feel that. I feel that that has to be true. It can't not be true. But like when, so when those baby critters first arrive, I was like, oh no, are they going to be like that the whole time? Because I was like, that's not the critters that I remember <laughs> at all. Uh, luckily, we, we figure out that that's not the case. But yeah, this was my first critters movie. That still is mind blowing to me. Just really, I, for, I don't know. I kind it's of, kind of mind blowing to me too. The, like, I, you know, I. I don't pride myself on anything in particular, but I think that I've watched a fucking couple of movies here and there, and somehow, <laughs> somehow, oh, Critters has just not, not been on my radar. Here's here's the thing with Kyle that blows my mind, though. Like, Kyle, I've talked to you about movies for going almost a decade now. Yeah. Like, I don't know how long ago you were promoting Phantasm, but it was that long ago. Pretty close, uh, yeah. Yeah, so... Jesus Christ. You oh, have... no, it'll be 10 years. I would have gone, yeah. gone into production in 2012, yeah. There you go. So, wow. like... There, Mind-blowing. You have had some of the most... Like, you and I have talked about some of the most deep-cut, like, obscure bullshit Yep. that I've ever had conversations with any other human where I'm like, I don't know any other person who knows that this movie exists. But then I also know that you've only seen like three of the Friday the 13th movies. It's like ever in your life. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> I have a very niche <laughs> interest. Giallo, you've seen every single one of them. Fucking, you know, uh, like. Yeah, I just got this nah. forgotten Giallo. I got this. No, no, right? I, yeah, no, I think you're right because I'm not sure if I've seen anything past four i've seen new nightmare and the remake but i've not seen you've seen the remake freddy's but you dead. haven't seen freddy's dead yeah that's that's ridiculous man. i saw the oh. remake in theaters and Oof. man i know that people fight about this movie all the time but if there was ever a fucking movie that i had faith kyle would fucking love as much as i do it's freddy's dead that movie is insane in all of the ways that kyle likes a movie i'll, I'll get there I'll get <laughs> yeah there. i mean <laughs> he's only been on the show as a full ho time host like for what like three months now, four months, like two, three yeah. months. Yeah, yeah so this continuing time. horror education that y'all are providing me is <laughs> wonderful, and I'm I'm honored and I'm so happy that we got to watch Critters Four all together. Yeah, um, uh, the best part is that like we made him watch is Moon Rocks. But oh, what the know, hell? That is like a full wine bottle. <laughs> what is yeah. that? <laughs> I couldn't find I couldn't find anything proper from space, but Moon Rocks from Oxbow. <laughs> Guys, I couldn't <laughs> find a beer, so I brought a bottle of wine. <laughs> Fuck it, dude. I almost did for another movie. I almost couldn't find anything with a logo, but Bacardi has a logo that would have worked. And I was just like, oh, I got to figure out a fucking rum drink. I didn't. I didn't. We're good. But So I've got some cool news for you. So you've Ooh. seen all of Critters 4, but you've also seen the last five minutes of Critters 3 in this watch. Because <laughs> to save some budget, the opening scene is literally the closing scene from Critters 3, okay. just repurposed. It, you know, it reads that way, too. <laughs> That's the only one I haven't seen, and I was going to message you guys and be like, do you think that I should, like, watch a Critter, like the like Critters 3 and, 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 you know, like, really just get into it? And no, 
No, I, the, no, no. After no. I watched Critters Four, I was like, "No, nah, that's fine." Save <laughs> Critters Three for in like two or three years when I make us watch Critters Three. Yeah, which it's, is it's, only noteworthy because it's Leonardo DiCaprio's first movie. Okay, so um, I have seen Critters Three. I don't remember anything from it, but I definitely have seen Critters Three because I thought Critters Three was Critters One when I first watched it. It's because I remember Leonardo DiCaprio. Maybe I haven't seen Critters One. I don't know. Um, the Critters movies are kind of insane. They follow the model of the ghoulies movies very similarly what, where like, honestly you just need part two yeah like, yep. you, like part one sets up the characters but it's kind of uh <laughs> then part two is like they figured out the characters and they perfected everything and then part three is like way too goofy and then part four is just a mess when now, does the critters ball come that's into two. play two two that's which two. is arguably one of the best twos out there, in my opinion. It's, yeah. it's like it's up there with Summer Party Massacre too. As now, I, I've had this conversation with my buddy Mario multiple times, and I think I've mentioned it to Matt too. Where there is this kind of vein that goes through a lot of uh, the '80s horror movies, in particular, where the second one in a franchise is the best. Like, Nightmare on Elm Street is, is a misnomer, but think about it. Um, or we could even expand to say that it's significantly better than one. Because, like, mm-hmm. if we say that two is the best of the series, then we have to discount Friday the 13th. But if we just say that it's significantly better than the first one, I we can add Friday the 13th to it. But Prom Night 2, Hello, Mary Lou, is so much better than Prom Night. Critters 2, so much better than Critters. Uh, Slumber Party Massacre 2, so much better than Slumber Party Massacre. Ghoulies 2, there are a lot. And I feel yeah. like this show is pretty much my thesis to the, you know, the whole thing is like this. Number 2 is always better. Oh, and Carrie 2, The Rage, Carrie 2. That's another one on my list. I can't say wow, yes. Fly 2 is better than The Fly, but it also has the same kind of silliness that you or going for with a sequel to a seminal work. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, same thing. TCM is much darker than TCM 2. Yeah, you get into even the even the greats like that, like you're saying. I mean, we, when you get the Texas Chainsaw like land, then you can, there's people who argue Scream 2 is better. You know, there, there, was, there are those people who appreciate that. Some people like, I don't think everybody likes Hellraiser 2 better, but they like rank them very closely. You're right, there's a goofiness to part twos that, that happens too, that is lighter, but you are still in that world. I feel like a good part two is kind of why I do argue that like Dream Warriors is like a perfect sequel, even though that's a part three. It's a perfect sequel because it takes all of the stuff that's been established and just cranks it up a little bit more. That's all you really need to do with a horror sequel is like, you don't have to retread new ground. Dream Warriors even does add a little bit more to Freddy's mythos which really not necessary at all, but like (laughs) it's there, but like, it's just like, Hey, remember when you loved watching these weird nightmare sequences in that first movie, it's about to get fucking weirder because we don't have to explain any of this shit anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's like, same thing with ghoulies and critters. Like we already did a full movie explaining what these critters are. Like we're just going to let these critters fucking run wild on Easter. It is arguably the only Easter horror movie. All right. Well, let's talk about part four for just a little bit. Oh yeah. We might want to do that. We're singing praises of part twos, but but we get into this. So I feel like there's two sides to this movie for me. There's the one side of the movie that is the tractor beam CGI where it's just like 
holy shit, this movie had no bu- no budget that, whatsoever. Do you know what that was? Because that's old footage, that's right? That's footage They're from like Android 1982 because they were running out of money. And then Critters 2 has interspliced a scene at the end of Ugg's ship. I don't really, I didn't notice it, but I, I noticed very obviously that that. So this came out in 1990 or 88. What is it? 92. 92. Because they were cranking these out every other year for eight years. So this was like, yeah. the, since it was the fourth one, um, you know, like it had been eight years since the first one. But it's very obvious when they're using 10-year-old CGI <laughs> you know, it, it, it interspersed with. Now, I, the, I don't think that the, the special effects are great in this movie, but there's some fun stuff to be had. I don't think this movie is that bad. I really don't. No, no. I think it's a perfectly fine movie, but it's definitely nowhere near the other movies. In quali- I used to hate this movie a lot more than I hate it now because I actually think that some of the ways that people die in this movie are way more horrifying than they've ever felt in any of the other Critters movies. And that's what I was going to get to is like the character of Rick, he dies and it's like, it's a very goofy. Oh, Crite in the mouth. Yeah. Like a Crite jumps into his mouth and it's kind of comical that he's just got this critter in his mouth. A little kicking feet. (laughs) With a little kicking feet. Like it's comical, but then it's also like you're seeing the critter from the inside of his mouth, just chewing apart at his innards inside of his mouth. Yeah. It's a bad way to go. And eyes are bulging out as he's like reaching out for help, like desperately. Like it's like it's this weird juxtaposition of something very comedic being taken so seriously that it actually is slightly unsettling. Yeah. Well, you also know that it's a terrible it's a terrible way to go because the Kreitz taste awful. The, the, you, yes. It's like <laughs> dying with a disgusting sewer rat in your mouth. It's just terrible way to go also that kill remind me very much of the kill in phantasm 2 when a guy gets one of the orbs in his mouth and then it goes through his body and comes out his back you remember that scene yeah and another movie to add to your thesis yeah that's that's up there that's (laughs) a crown jewel in the thesis also eric dare i want to say that's how his name is pronounced i'm pretty sure that none of us will get it right though so i'm just going to take the the l on that do it but he was just in Silent Night, Deadly Night 3. Yes, he was. So, yeah, um, same haircut. Same fucking haircut. <laughs> One of my favorite moments that he does is when he's taking all of the medication from the pharmacy. Oh, the he's candy ring? And there's, yeah, and there's a complete, there's absolutely a tray of ibuprofen that he throws <laughs> into, like, it's, it is, it is that maroon-ish die that is only on ibuprofen and there's a tray of it that he throws into his drug bag and it's looked like that for 30 years yeah and then i think it was his death that after they find him they find the footprints from yeah. the critters mm-hmm. and they go still wet footprints i was like yeah dude it just you we all know that it just happened like of course the footprints are like they're like oh a clue still wet motherfuckers you were just talking to him like you just tell them to get out of there they are not detectives okay time and space is so weird we are literally closer right now to 2045 than to 1992 yeah. and if that was 2045 that we got fucking big problems, man. It's <laughs> fucked up. The feet on the wall is like one of the things that I have remembered about this movie from the very first time I watched it. Because honestly, the way that I watched the Critters movies for years before I actually like bought them was that they played on Sci-Fi Network yep. constantly, and there'd be like Critters Week 
where it'd be a different Critters movie every night. But there are only four. They're not going to waste a Friday slot on a Critters movie. Wait, no, it's, it's sci-fi. They're going to waste a slot on anything, all right? Well, we certainly can't interrupt the, the fucking Friday night Twilight Zone marathon, so the movies have got to be four-parters Monday through Thursday. Fair, I remember right. watching this on TV, and like the Critters movies for the most part, you know, you got some boobs in part two, but all things considered, like... Probably a great call for something like sci-fi because I don't think there's that much editing that needs to be put into getting no. this to be television ready. Yeah, not like <laughs> you doing the entire Friday the 13th series. But yeah, so like I I think that that scene always stuck in my memory. I always remembered that, them walking into the room with all the feet marks everywhere. And that was like, for the longest time, I was like, that's the only death in this movie. That's all I remembered. Then I was watching, I'm like, man, a lot of fucking people die in this movie and I did not remember any of them. Well, and, and we're really missing out on some on two really big things here. Brad Dourif and Angela fucking Bassett are in this movie. Like, yep. how did they pay for their salaries? How did they pay for Angela Bassett? Because they didn't pay the Chiodos brothers for special effects. Yeah, okay, all right. We have to kind of flesh out the, I don't want to say plot, but kind of like the subplot, because the plot is literally just Kreitz on a spaceship, you know? Um, but there's this subplot where the galactic well there's the bounty hunters group that that, like charlie's a part of right and charlie's kind of your one through line throughout all these movies is charlie and ugg charlie in the first movies the town drunk but he finds a new lease on life by hunting crates yeah right so part three does end with there being the two last eggs and him getting ready to destroy them and finally end this and that's when he's told you know hey as much as we're bounty hunters we cannot cause the extinction of a creature, so we're going to take these two eggs, and you know you're going to be basically frozen with them, and and they'll live in some cryosphere in space or whatever. They get intercepted by a spaceship of a bunch of just like I don't know, fucking space pirates. I don't know what the hell they're up yeah, to. Yeah, let's just call them space pirates. This is close enough. <laughs> space pirates. Space pirates pull them in, and a Charlie finds out that 50 years have passed. Takes this in stride. Really, no, no emotional beats to be seen on that whole thing. Well, his the great line that is, it bridges that because there is no emotional beat, but he just goes, "Oh, I'm in space, aren't I?" He's like he he does seem upset, but he's like, if that's the answer, then I don't need any other explanation. I just yeah. need to know. I'm there in we space. go. But then the other thing that we find is while Charlie has been in his cryo status or whatever for fifty years. Ugg has kind of turned evil, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really weird twist to just suddenly be like, hey, this character that you all know and love from the first three movies, yeah, he's a fucking asshole now. And then, yeah, it basically just turns into this bounty hunters don't... It, it's basically the plot of all of the alien movies. Like, someone in charge doesn't want to kill the creature. They want the creature to stay alive. And the people who are being killed by the creature are like, no, we got to kill the creature. Yeah, yeah. Well, so they're also trying to mutate... So the, There's this, like, shadow organization. That's why I'm saying, like, the space FBI or whatever. But they, there's this, this shadow organization that has these plans to, to mutate a creature so that they can drop it on a planet and it will clear a planet of all life or something like that so that they can like I don't know have the planet to themselves. I, it was very convoluted. And Isn't that boggling looking thing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um well, it's that, like that was I the mean one. it's kind of Special the one. Yeah. <laughs> well, isn't that kind of like the premise of alien premise for the lack of a term? Well, but like, it's, it's the isn't premise that like of, what's um, going on with Prometheus. like with Piranha? You know, what I mean, like in Piranha, it wasn't like the whole thing. Like, oh, these piranhas were genetically engineered to be extra hungry for like 
World War Two that we could send them into like whoever's water supply and it would deplete the food and the whatever. Like there's always some stupid thing. The way that they try to turn creatures into <laughs> into weaponized things in movies is always so fucking convoluted. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so true and. God damn, it reminded me of this movie that we had to watch when we were doing Reddit Horror Club that I just hated so much. Do you remember Revenant? Yes, I forget. I remember nothing about it, but I know that we watched it. That was the same plot, was that they were like, oh, well... And I feel like that was the same plot in fucking Return of the Living Dead, was that the army was... Oh, we'll just have, or maybe it was. Oh no, it was it was Return of the Living Dead three, where they were putting like the the mech suits on them or whatever, like those exoskeleton suits, and they're like, oh, we'll just drop zombies into the the enemy territory, and they'll just eat their way through the the our enemies. Um, it's such yeah. a such a stupid fucking concept, and it's that's like the sleeper version of it was only a dream, but that's almost like too on the nose to say you know but it's it's like the, the the backup if you can't come up with a reason for people doing dumb shit in your movie and you're like oh, man there's only a dream is just it's just too overplayed let's have this be a bio weapon and then they're like fucking here's fifty thousand dollars make your movie you know it's ridiculous right right yeah. it, it, it does feel like an easy go-to for an explanation you're absolutely right it's very it's very easy to just be like oh a greater power in the world is trying to use it for evil or for power or whatever and it's just like oh okay well isn't fucking everything <laughs> yeah. isn't everybody <laughs> like can we do something more creative no no we can't no. when we got critters not critters for it so i watched this movie probably at least two weeks ago um so I, I don't remember why I have the quote, you're not my father in all caps, but I guess that's a quote that happens at some point yes. in this movie. Yeah. But but I want to show, here, I'll show this to you guys because this blew my mind and this has nothing to do with the movie Critters 4 per se, but I don't know if we want to say give an applause or what, but the, the wiki plot summary is 15 paragraphs long. For Critters 4? plot summary. For Critters 4. Why did I like, even watch the movie then? Why did we do this? Like, what was the point? <laughs> how long, I can how long read is the that critters? in less time than it takes to... <laughs> yeah. How, do you like, think all the Critters one, like Critters movies plot? Let me see. Let me see like if... That? Let me check. Let me let me check to see if Well, while Critters, Matt does Critters that, I got to tell you guys three. that Critters 3 and Critters 4 will, were filmed simultaneously, which is kind of yes. mind-blowing and hilarious. No shit. Crit Critters 3 was one paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the one with Leo Dico? Come on. <laughs> Critters 2, three paragraphs. <laughs> so I was like, Critters 4 may have taken more paragraphs than all three of these films combined. Um, that's let bizarre. See. Let's see. And, Do you and really... five paragraphs for Critters, the original. So yeah, someone wrote 15 paragraphs on Critters 4, while Critters 1 through 3 could be summarized in... That's eight. Nine, nine, eight or nine, nine, paragraphs. nine paragraphs. Yeah, yeah. five, one, three. <laughs> that's honestly, that's fucked up. 
<laughs> Justice for Critters 2. New hashtag. That, that gonna... has to be, that can only be explained by somebody who is similar to me, but not me. Who's like, sure, man. Loves Critters 4, has been so sick of people shitting on Critters 4 that they're like, God damn it, this movie's a masterpiece, and I'm going to make sure that the plot outline on Wiki is so detailed that nobody could point any flaws in this premise. Is that why you showed us, Matt? Are you just yeah, really proud? I put a lot of work into this page, guys. No, I only know that it was 15 paragraphs because, yeah, I, I used it a couple times to keep track of what was happening. Like, there are some like big jumps and gaps that sort of happen. I missed the part where they just ended up in that new area where they spend the rest of the movie, and I was yeah. like, "Where the fuck are we?" <laughs> this is, and then they shoot the same ha- they shoot the same hallway for the last half hour of the movie, just in different angles yeah. as people run through the hallway. Yeah. And I'm like, like the- <laughs> "Critters Four, Critters Four might trick you into thinking it's a movie that you could passive passively watch and like do other stuff, but man." You miss one line or one transitional scene, and you're like, "How the fuck did we get here?" Yeah, <laughs> truly, it was. It all those things happen very quickly and with no hand holding. They just drop no. you in the fucking pond, dude. So you know what? I salute whoever made that wiki page. Great work. Thank you um, and thank you. I don't know. This is outrageous. I wrote down best space sequel at one point. But it's also my second note, so I think I was real early into putting putting my cards on the table. There. That is so on brand for you. <laughs> but I'm like, it's still better than like Leprechaun in space. I would watch Critters Four yeah, over Leprechaun yeah. in space. No, but I, I just you gotta... like you like your Hellraiser Four, but even you only like it for the period piece portion yeah. of that movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Now <laughs> like, I, I just have to to rewind for a second. And also, Jason X sucks. I'll, I'll say it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if anybody picks that as their double feature, they're booted off the show until next week. Here's the thing that I need to point out about Matt Kelly: is Matt Kelly being like, "Oh, my second note was saying I'm in love with this movie." That's Matt dating. Yep. <laughs> second text message. I know that it's love. <laughs> <laughs> my second note is Brad Dourif looks like he's in a prog rock band. So if that's, <laughs> I think we've said all we can say about. <laughs> Critters I think that we four. did more than 15 paragraphs worth of work on uh, Critters 4. Hey, you've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of Tacky and White and Nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. 
So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. So, Matt, why don't you tell us what your double feature would be with Critters 4? So, I have no memory on if this is a good movie or a bad movie. But... It is a movie that I know I've watched because it's a movie that I passed the box art constantly at Blockbuster and was like, I am going to rent this. And I know nothing else about it. <laughs> like, I know I watched it. Can't remember anything else. It was a movie called Within the Rock. That's what I'm going to match it up with. It's just another space movie. They basically find, I think they find a monster inside of like an, a meteorite. And it just starts wreaking havoc on a spaceship. I'm going to go Creepazoids. Ooh. I think that it's a much, I mean, it's still really bad, but it's still a fun. And if I remember correctly, like does take place in space, but it's much more serious. I, when I say more fun, I mean more fun to watch. Um, yeah. the, mm. the tone of the film is much more serious. Oh, that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, I think that where, where Critters 4 didn't do it for me, was that it was trying to be funny and but was completely unfunny and then was really tame in a lot of ways and i just think creepazoids i want somebody to take the shit way too seriously and that that i can have more fun with it like if there's more like (laughs) if there's too much like tongue-in-cheek shit and it's critters four so like they have like you know a lead up and a story and a baseline, but it was also my first viewing of any critters thing. And it just fell flat for me. Not that creepazoids is going to be that much better, but I want something totally completely different, but visually. I was like, which creep, which movie is creepazoids? And so I Googled it and apparently, so that movie came out in 87 starring Linnea Quigley. And just 10 years later, they remade it as hybrid. In 1997, so maybe you you could triple feature. If I was being real smarmy, being real shit, I would be like, "Let's watch Vicious Lips again." I was thinking you might say that. Yeah, dude. I was thinking that. Yeah, fuck. But if we have to go with another v- movie that starts with V and I that isn't Vicious Lips, I would go with Virus, which is also a movie on a spaceship, and it has a shitload of special effects, which we're missing from Critters Four. So that might. Salvage the evening a little Isn't bit. With Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not. I have the novelization <laughs> in Horror Finds. <laughs> oh, hey, everybody, go check out Horror Finds and Etsy, and you can buy the uh, novelization of Virus. Virus. Yeah. Don't all don't all purchase it at once. <laughs> yeah, I only have the one copy. Yeah, first come, first serve situation. I upcharge. <laughs> Use the coupon code HMN Podcast, and you'll get charged ten extra dollars. <laughs> So, uh, Matt, time for, for a what did we watch? So, I checked out this movie. The day that it was added to Netflix, I put it on my watch list. I've talked about this before. Like, I have stuff on my watch list, and they kind of fall into the buckets of, like, stuff that I want to really pay attention to. So, I need to save them for, like, when I don't have any work going on, and then, like, nonsense background noise while I'm doing other shit. 
And this was firmly in the like, I want to dedicate time to this one. So it took me almost two months to finally sit down and watch it. But it's actually a really cute movie called Mixtape. Came out last year. It dropped on Netflix in December or like late November. And it takes place in the 90s. Uh, I want to say it's like 1997 or 98. But it's this little girl. Her parents died in a car crash when she was young. And she lives with her grandmother. And her grandmother kind of keeps a lot of the stuff about her parents kind of secret from her. This girl's like in seventh grade, we'll say. And she's in the basement and she finds a mixtape that her parents made. And she puts the mixtape in her Walkman and it eats the tape. But she has the track list. So it's her going on an adventure to track down all of the songs that are on the mixtape so she can rebuild it and like learn more about her parents through it. And it's very funny, very sweet, very charming. Clearly a super low budget movie. Like it's starring one of the actresses from Modern Family plays the grandmother. But beyond that, the only the only other name that I knew was uh, Nick Thune, who's a comedian, plays the record store owner who like builds a nice relationship with her. But very like punk rock soundtrack. Like the parents are definitely depicted as like people who would have went to like CBGBs. So it's like songs by like the Stooges that she's trying to track down or like rare knack singles and stuff like that. Definitely really fun, great soundtrack, really sweet. So I'll go next and I wanna just do, so I mean, I have two two quick things to talk about and I will make them both short. So uh, Witcher season two, I finished it. It's just so fun to watch. I don't think it was as satisfying in the end as season one, just because I like spectacle and there was felt like it was a little bit more talking. So it felt in the season itself, but specifically the last two episodes. And there's more espionage in it and shit that felt too Game of Thrones for me. And I'm I, everybody knows I'm not a Game of Thrones guy, but I definitely fucking love the monsters in Witcher. It was worth the watch. I'm ready for season three, obviously. Good time. That's no, no revelation. But something that I wanted to mention that may be a surprise to people, they may not have noticed it, kind of flew under the radar a little bit, was this very interesting concept that Shudder released, which is called The Runner. Do you guys know about this? Carly was just listening to Boy Harsher upstairs, okay. uh, if anybody could somehow hear it. <laughs> but um, I have not watched it yet, but I'm very eager to. So, and I'm eager to hear what you think. I feel like it's a very Kyle project. Now, for, for the uninitiated, it's a short film, long music video. That's really the only way to explain it. And it's basically a compilation of four or five music videos, I want to say, from Boy Harsher, and a story of a murderous young woman. It's a pretty cool concept. I just, I thought that it was very ballsy. I don't know if Shudder bankrolled it or if they just picked it up after it was bankrolled, but I, I love when Shudder takes chances like that, you know, and I feel like Shudder takes more chances like that than pretty much any other streaming service right now, I mean, of the ones that I know, because it's already a niche, like a genre-based streaming service, and they're putting their money behind something that is really out of the norm, which I love, because, like, how many people are out there, or how many services are out there, like, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, like, sponsor at least, or have an exclusive 38-minute music video compilation. Right. It was very refreshing. Obviously, it's more about the music and visuals than than there's no there's no plot. Like it's it's 
supposed to make you feel, it's not supposed to make you think. I went along for the ride, and I'm not necessarily gonna go out and become the biggest Boy Harsher fan. I just thought that it was such a cool concept, and it looks beautiful as well. Yeah, well, that's the thing that Shudder does too, is like, you're absolutely right. Like, they are willing to do that, and then their audience, most of their audience is willing to watch it. Like, somebody, like, there's a viewer and producer or distributor trust that Shudder yeah. has cultivated, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and it, even if it's not all hits, you know, I think when it's like, things like the creep like things like the creep show show or they did the behind the monsters it's like people are at least willing to take a chance on that stuff even if yeah. it doesn't land for them and i think that like yeah and and the boy hunter thing is obviously it's a, it's a one-off so people are probably more willing to take a chance on that and it was only it was less than an hour long so it's like very right. and it's, it's like a very low stress kind of thing it's not like yeah. a, a full movie there's a three and a half hour documentary that I really want to watch on Shudder, but it's like, I can't, I can't dedicate that time right now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's going to sit in my queue for about three months. But yes. that's the other side of the coin is that I think Shudder is really, you're absolutely right about the fact that Shudder and the viewer have like a contract and there's trust there. And that's just what makes the service great. If I don't watch anything on Shutter for two months, I don't feel bad because I still feel like my money is going towards a good cause. It's still a donation. You know, it's like, oh, I didn't spend yeah. like the set. I didn't watch $7 worth of content on Shutter this month. I'm not upset about it. Kyle, how about you? What did you uh, watch or check watched, out? rewatched after many, many years, 16 Candles. So Carly had not seen 16 Candles. Ever? And ever. Nice. And so we we do this little thing, like I I put sort of a pick from a hat situation and I put a bunch of directors in it. I use this app called CLZ Movies. It's a paid app, but it's a great thing for anybody who has a large library, particularly a physical library, because then when I'm out and about, I can reference it and see like what <laughs> what I have uh, and make sure I don't have it again or buy it again or whatever. So she picked John Hughes the other day and we've realized that she only saw Breakfast Club uh, in her John Hughes viewing frame where everybody has one, I think. Everybody yeah. like everybody stops the world and melts with John Hughes at some point uh, <laughs> to watch <laughs> to watch all those movies. And I did I thought that I had seen 16 candles many more times than I have. And I think that if I were to like rank the high school, like brat pack shit, like it was, I watched breakfast club a lot more than I watched weird science, which I watched a lot more than 16 candles. It was great. Like it's great. It was, it's very fun. It's paced really well. It feels like some of those like eighties teen novels like young adult novels like john hughes writes a female character from that time period pretty well like it doesn't seem out of the realm you know (laughs) like for him to have like written that again i'm not from i didn't go to high school in the 80s but at the same time like it fictionalizes but also evokes like a really solid emotion i feel like that's the chicken and the egg though you know it's like was was 80s high school really like a john hughes movie or is john hughes the architect of what we culturally believe 80s high school is like absolutely absolutely here's the thing that if i understand this correctly and i could be completely wrong about this right but first of all 16 candles was his directorial debut which is insane but 
I believe his intentions was for Breakfast Club to be his directorial debut. And then he had a real, like, muse-type thing with Molly Ringwald where I believe that she came... I think the way I understood it was that she came in to audition for Breakfast Club and he wanted her for that role. And they're like, she's not a name. And he essentially was like... I'm I am going care. to make her famous in one year so that you will let her be in the, like, essentially I feel like what I'm trying to say is that I feel like 16 candles was not only his directorial debut, but like something he threw together very quickly in order to get to do the way he wanted to do breakfast club, which Fucking makes it all it, it, the, the, the amount of crazy. output that he did in the very short period that he was like actively making films is yeah. unbelievable. 16 candles, breakfast club, Weird Science, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, She's Having a Baby, Uncle Buck, and Curly Sue. That's it. Wow. Those are the only things that he directed, but like... Wow. And then he also went on to write National Lampoon Vacation. He wrote Mr. Mom. He wrote Pretty in Pink. He wrote Some Kind of Wonderful. He wrote The Great Outdoors. He wrote Christmas Vacation. He wrote Home Alone. And he wrote Beethoven. And then after that, like, I think I've talked about this before. John Candy dies. He decides he's never going to mm, work in Hollywood again. Right. He still gets, like, writer's credit for stuff like Home Alone 2 because it's characters ba based on yeah. the characters of, based on the whatever of. But really, the only other stuff that he did was, like, he, he apparently came up with the storyline for Made in Manhattan and Drillbit Taylor. Such a brilliant mind. If you ever uh, get a chance to read the book about him, um, Don't You Forget About Me. It's just literally a collection of essays that different filmmakers wrote about his influence on their filmmaking. And it's got like an essay from Molly Ringwald in there. Like it's it's very touching. And it, it really does seem like in a time where you could have a filmmaker who's in his 30s and 40s making a lot of teen-centric films that could get into, like, some really gnarly backstories. Like, mm -hmm. every actor who worked with him just kind of said, like, he just wanted to get it as close to right as possible. Like, yeah. he didn't want it to be an adult's version of adolescence. He wanted it to be adolescence versions of adolescence. So he would, like let them in the writer's room essentially to help guide their characters and help like make it feel authentic yeah. which is that's amazing i mean the, yeah. there's it goes that goes a long way to emphasize the importance of collaboration <laughs> and yeah. that stuff like it's obviously it's vision it's john hughes's vision but to allow that collaboration and to allow that guidance from the people that you're working with and the output in which he's doing that too. like there was not a miss really on no. that list that you listed of films that he wrote no. directed or both there's no misses from that it's just it was it, and it was cool it was cool to watch it as his debut directorial debut you know we picked the movie at, we picked the director at random and then we picked the movie at random and it just felt it was really cool that that happens to be the first one that we pick uh, carly and i just we really enjoyed it i i didn't remember like the story really <laughs> i didn't yeah. uh you know so it's cool to go back into it it's a wild pj you know what i mean yeah. like oh, you got oh, goobs in the, the beginning you got, you got yeah. fuck in the beginning you got, you got hard <laughs> f bombs both fuck <laughs> and the other one uh and just like yeah if you're like hanging out with your kids and you're like hey let's put on this pg 16 candles let's not maybe pump don't. the brakes yeah let's <laughs> don't, don't don't do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> a lot of fun, though. That was Critters 4 from 1992, as picked by me. 
Next week, we'll be back with even more picks. So come check that shit out. Bye. listening to the Geekscape Network. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? You're listening to the Geekscape Network.